0: Fair that we had to play a team whose rebuild was over and ours ours isn't.
1: Yeah, I was joking about that both games watching them. I kept talking about how it's they're a team that's way ahead of the rebuild, and they've ended the rebuild last year. So and I think they're light years ahead of every other team in the Atlantic as well.
0: Yeah, they're definitely pushing. I mean, if we check the standings quick, I think it'll show that they're pushing for the cup this year at the Ottawa Senators. Oh, no, never mind. They're below the Red Wings. Um <laughs> Pierre Dorian. Uh, he made that comment. And then I love how he like last year was he backtracked right away, was like, whoa, I was kidding. You know, I got a little excited. But um, yeah, the Red Wings again, now in the midst of a six-game losing streak um this is definitely the dog days of the season uh before we got on grant and i both talking about like oh what are we going to talk about and it's just like well we can rip on the red wings for an hour but uh yeah we'll try to get some positive things out of it i think there are some things to give and take out of this but uh yeah uh before we start actually anyway i should introduce ourselves yeah anyway welcome to the production line podcast uh i'm your host garth wickham grant wickham yeah, and uh, before we start, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the, the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Whew. All right. getting better at that slightly not too shabby not too shabby at all but yeah the red wings played three games since we last talked there was also like a pretty significant firing in the organization that feels like ages ago at this point which we still don't really have any details on but i mean it is worth mentioning uh al sabatka uh released from he was terminated by the red wings uh this is, I think it was reported by the Detroit news um, for the, I, most people probably know, but Al Sabatka was the longtime rink uh, operations manager uh, famous for swinging the octopus around uh, alley octopus named after Al Sabatka. Uh, obviously details are pretty hazy at best at this point. So I know there's rumors about him getting a uh, representation for possible um, What's the term I'm blanking on right now? Um, firing but not. Oh my god, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> Do you have the term? I have no idea. <laughs> a wrongful termination. Thank you. All right, I got it. We got yeah. there. Um, but yeah, no. So obviously, a tough thing for Red Wing fans to get past without a lot of ex- like explanation from the team themselves. Um, I know he's kind of a little bit before like our era with like the iconic, with the real iconic swinging of the octopus. But I mean, he still did it like well into our childhood. And I guess he will be missed for sure in that sense. I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts other than that. Not really. I These situations are
1: really difficult to chime in on when you have no idea what's going on. So it's not even worth worth it in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I get that completely. Um, But, yeah, we turn over to the the Wednesday game, uh, another TNT uh, broadcast, because, you know, the Red Wings aren't on national broadcasts enough. I think that makes it – that's what? We're 0-8 now uh, on national TV? Uh, I'm not sure how that
1: works, because technically they've only been on TNT three times, correct? Twice. 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 So I guess that's only the only national televised games, right? Oh, I guess ESPN Plus, excuse me, is not. Because national. you can watch all games on ESPN Plus, so.
0: Right. I suppose you could look at it that way. I think more so I meant as in, I guess, ESPN, like, exclusive, like, not Ken and Mick games. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Um. But yeah. No, TNT is just so much, like, it's so much better. Um, I thought Biz this game was super funny as well. The way he was going going about Cider and the Iser plan and him, like, <laughs> the uh, evil laugh going Yeah. after the first period. They're a pretty enjoyable crew to watch
1: comparatively to the NBCSN crew last, last umpteen years that
0: were just horrendous to watch. Not going to lie. And, I mean, ESPN's been kind of disappointing as well because I kind of just view ESPN as NBCSN, but they sit on comfy chairs. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> that's representation but. I think that's the only difference To be completely honest uh, Like cool like John Tortorella Occasionally says some crazy shit But yeah he's the,
1: more Just ESPN Plus too he's not even Like on
0: ESPN is he Um I don't know I think yeah I don't think Yeah the, the regular ESPN broadcasts are like Mark Messier um, Chris Chelios, and that one other dude Yeah Arto O'Callor. No, no, no. Um, or what's his name? Uh, no, Ocal's okay. like – oh, man. He's like the um, – he's like Sean McDonough or something like that. Yeah, okay. You
1: know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know. And I haven't seen Torts on one of the ESPN Plus games in a, in a while now too. And that was when they were at their peak was when Torts was ban bantering back and forth with others. And that makes it enjoyable to watch an intermission when you have John Tortorella just speaking his mind.
0: Maybe he's uh, he's prepping for an interview. Uh, Possibly. Yeah, I was going to say he's... Uh, I honestly, I don't care. Just give it to him. I mean, can't be any worse. The it'd, only thing with Tortorella, though, he's got that shelf life. It'd be really interesting. It would absolutely be really interesting. I know... Philip Zedina would never make it for starters, Jacob. I I disagree. You don't think Zadina would make it? You think I do
1: really? He'd become a completely different player, but he'd make it. He's got work ethic. It's just the whole finishing thing, which isn't a problem for torts. Torts will make him into a work your ass off type of player. Uh, Jacob Verona might not make it.
0: Yeah. He's definitely the better comparison for the two. I I guess I kind of misspoke, Uh, but yeah, Raymond insider would play all the minutes. And Dylan Larkin. He would really like Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Yes. So, I mean, all the current guys, I I guess, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be that bad of a fit. But. Uh,
1: I would argue that the Red Wings would maybe be a playoff team. Not a playoff team, but the teams that John Tortorella had brought to the playoffs in Columbus and swept the lightning with uh, were not good teams. Questionable at, at best. Yeah, they shouldn't have been playoff teams. He knows how to make players buy in. I'm not saying that would be good for the Red Wings at, in their state right now. I just
0: think it would be kind of hectic and fun. It would be. I'd be curious to how it would go. Um, yeah, this game. Yeah, the Red the final is a five four overtime loss versus the Rangers, and the Red Wings did have the lead in this game. Um, so you know they, they stay on you know par for the course. I do my favorite thing right now going on. By the way, Dan Kaiser and Mark Stahl back in the lineup which we'll get to Dan Kaiser because I do want to talk about him a little bit. But I love how Jordan Osterley is either top pair, 23 minutes a night, uh, scratched, or fourth line left wing.
1: I have no understanding on what goes through a coach's head where you're playing a guy 23 minutes or scratching him. Where's the median or the medium? I, I honestly have no I – where is his head at?
0: This like is I, I think
1: is... Osterley, when he's being overplayed, like I guess I don't even know. He looks good one game and he looks bad the next. But why? Why is he going from
0: twenty-three minutes to scratch or scratch to twenty-three minutes? <laughs> Sorry, and then like I, I we'll get to well, we can get to the Ottawa game too. But yeah, like I, I don't, I didn't disagree with like getting Dan Kaiser back in. And I actually thought like I guess we'll talk about it now. But yeah, I thought Dan Kaiser looked kind of good this game.
1: Yeah, I would argue it was his best game in probably maybe four months, three months. But also that's the same thing that kind of happened last year when he came back from waivers. He had a good game or two, right? Uh, So, I mean, I guess he kind of brought some defensive stability where he didn't make a whole lot of mistakes and he wasn't jumping into the rush, which when he jumps into the rush, he – ends up making those bad mistakes and then it gets really, really ugly.
0: Yeah, I thought he kept it really simple. Um what was it? it was it was this game, right? He hit um who do he hit for the breakout passes? It was Ras it was the Rasmussen goal. He hit um Hiroshi in the middle and then Hiroshi went to the wing and Rasmussen scored probably the worst goal of his career. Yeah. Uh Georgiev's pretty good. Uh, he, he's on par with he, like him and Thomas Grice are just competing for who's who's worse. I mean, there's a couple of goalies in that
1: that uh talk right now. Yeah, that. I sent
0: I yeah, I sent you that um that Micah McCurdy um graph and yeah. it was Kevin Lankinen, I think, is the worst on that.
1: Okay, I don't buy into those analytics, like uh, like some I, I like analytics, right? But that one I don't like. I do not think Kevin Lankinen is the worst goalie in the NHL right now. You, if you watch a Chicago Blackhawks game, they are one of the worst teams on the planet. And Kevin Lankinen makes so many hung out to dry saves. Like last night I was watching the Arizona Chicago game, and the amount of point blank backdoor passes he saved last night was ridiculous. And he was kind of in a similar situation as Grice has been in this year, where he's being thrown in every five games. Right. And so you're coming in cold after not playing for a while. And then he would let up like three goals right away. (laughs) Kind of like what was happening with Grice. But I I do not think Kevin Lankin is that bad. I would like to see one with just starters only. So we could see like who the worst starters are. Now, I guess Lankin is the starter. But like Philip Grubauer, I think, is a catastrophe. Is that the word I'm looking for?
0: Yeah, no, no, that works.
1: Yeah, he's horrendous. He's he's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, I yeah, I that was, yeah, they're hard. Like some of them, like that makes a lot, a lot of sense. If you look at Connor Hellebuck on there, he's like getting left out to dry, but he's actually like doing well, which like fits Winnipeg's defensive structure so well. Yeah, he, because Winnipeg is awful defensively, would, and that's a big thing right now. Is where flurry was on
1: that chart. He was right in the middle, almost towards the, the lesser of the goalies, but he's played for Chicago all year, and mm-hmm. he's held, like, a 91 save percentage. And yeah. I think that is very fabulous, actually, for playing for Chicago. And now he's in Minnesota, where they are a team that if they get up by a goal or two, you are not going to even get a shot from outside the top of the circles. They are yeah. such a lockdown structured defensive core. And I love, like they put on a clinic every game defensively, especially since the trade deadline. Camp oh, Talbot, so right I don't now. think Cam Talbot or Fleury has given up a goal, like more than one goal since the trade deadline. And yeah. that's that's such a good structure that they have built up there. And I think Dean Evans, Evan, Evan, Evans, Evanson should win the, coach, of the year. Uh,
0: coach of the year. Yeah. He's up there for me. He's up there for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I jokingly, I think I texted this in the group chat to get back into this game, but this game may, makes me want to draft a defenseman with our first pick. Yeah. Phil Peronic is legit not a – he's not an NHL option at this point.
1: Uh, I mean, it depends how you look at it. He's such a a weird player where he'll go through a hot spell like he just did. It was probably a three week thing where he Mm -hmm. was arguably the second best defenseman on the team. Right. And he was fabulous. In my opinion, that was the best he's been all season. And that's the Philip am you've seen in the past and stuff, but recently he's been horrible, but it's hard to just blame it on him. You can't just point your finger and say he's been terrible because the whole defense of course has been horrible. And it I mean, starts I think from top, top down. Nobody has been really good. I think Jake I mean, ballman has been the best defenseman in the last three games.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, for Hironik, this game specifically, I was talking about was, um, I mean, the first goal giving it basically just gave it to Ryan Reeves. Yeah, no, I
1: understand <laughs> what you're saying. I just don't think you can say that he is not an NHL option because he's proven that he has been an NHL option. I'm just saying he hasn't been spectacular this year, in which I thought he would be better this year in a more sheltered role, which I guess kind of he hasn't been sheltered as much as I would like him to be sheltered. Uh, it goes to where the whole stuff about coming out about Roman Yosi and how Nashville has sheltered his minutes a bit and is heavily unloading the top-line minutes with
0: Carrier and Eckholm, right? That's really you not should. that true, though.
1: It is kind of,
0: though. Uh, Romiosi's averaging 21 minutes, five-on-five five a game. Yeah,
1: but, I mean, he's not getting all the top oh, lines okay. in the league where the top lines are mostly going up against Carrier Carrier and Ekholm when Nashville's at home, right? That's that's they're matching up against. I don't think Hronik should ever match up against the first line. Granted no, a second, no. granted a second line, and then his his numbers will look a lot better. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of the games on that three week stretch that I'm talking about, he was even if not plus every game, and the Red Wings were losing every single game. He's doing something right. Recently, these last three games, he's been atrocious. I don't think he should ever play against a first line, let alone sometimes even a second line.
0: Yeah, is it a little too tinfoil hat theory for me to think that? As soon as the trade deadline was over, Philip Peronic's game went to the shitter. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Um, it seems it seems like that. But um no, to go back to your point of, like Philip Peronic like getting more sheltered minutes, right? It is kind of hard for me like cuz I think Philip Peronic's playing where he should be as the second right-handed defenseman on paper, right? It makes yeah. sense. No, yeah, for sure. And he's making second pair money. 4.4 4 million is second pair money. So my issue is he should be able to handle 20 minutes a night roughly Yeah, I mean 18, middle six
1: 18 to 20 I would play in
0: middle six lines but he he really isn't like he I know sometimes he does end up against the top line guys which is going to happen throughout a game so that's just my concern at this point of like where he's at and for the future like he's making money like I don't see a like a reality where it makes sense to have him as a bottom pair guy Yeah I just and the one thing that's so shocking to me is that he was doing
1: a lot of that three week stretch playing with Jordan Osterley because Stahl was out and how that correlates to me like not well how is that happening Jordan Osterley can be a a very random defenseman where he's either very good or very bad and very good as in he moves the puck well and Gets the puck up ice, basically. That's about all he, he's good at. And Invisible. Skates, skates well. He can be invisible. In other <laughs> games, he is very, very visible in a very poor way. Where, I I guess, to me, how is Hronik doing so well defensively and still creating offense while playing with Jordan Osterly? And then, recently, he's been horrible since Stahl's been back, and he's been playing with Stahl. Oh, Mark Stahl's been
0: bad, too. I don't
1: think they should be a pair. No. I guess I want to see more experimenting with Harona because I do think he is a good number four defenseman, probably. And on a good team, he can be a good a good number four defenseman when he's playing perfectly, right? Yeah, I think so, too. He's He's so young, too. And I feel like, to me, I get this in my head that he's 27 years old, which it's because he's been in the league for how long now? It feels
0: four years now.
1: Well, these four years have felt like 20 years. Right. Quite honestly. So it feels like he's 67 years old, but that math doesn't add up. But uh, I guess he is a deep dive player that I think really needs to be studying film on the daily with a very reliable defensive minded
0: person. Okay, so just spitballing here for pairs. How do you think about these? I just thought of these. How about Jake Wallman with Heronic? And then you go Mark. Then you go Mark Stall with Cider. Uh no, no.
1: I don't like Stahl with Cider. Um, I also don't really like Wallman with heronic I guess it's the whole thing we had talked about in the past about the whole, et- the whole. Edvinson-Heronic pairing that everyone so wants to see, where I think Wallman plays a similar. I don't really think anyone plays a similar style to Edvinson. He's he's very unique, but if I guess Wallman kind of plays that uh, he likes to create as a Nick Letty and Nick Letty and Heronic did not work out at all. Yeah, I I do like Wallman and Lindstrom together a lot. Yeah, Guslund's another guy who's struggled a little bit. Probably. Yes. um, Basically, the whole defensive core struggled. I honestly wouldn't. I mean, I guess like there's not really anyone that I want with Ronick, to be quite honest. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't hate to see him throwing a cider. Yeah. But, I mean, then, but then he's playing against first pairing. Or first liners, which I just said I did not want to see because I don't know. And then Stahl does not look good against first liners either. We really yeah. don't, honestly,
0: I'm not going to say it. Oh, you want to go back to the old reliable <laughs> <laughs> old Danny, old Danny boy. <laughs> Is it bad that I think he might be the best option against top liners with cider? Dandy. Oh, you're talking about Cider right now. I thought you are talking about Heronic Dandekaiser. No, hell
1: no. I, I don't <laughs> want to see that ever again.
0: <laughs> I'm saying,
1: do I trust Kaiser the most against over Osterly and Stahl with Cider?
0: Yeah, like my dream scenario, like my dream pair would be Walman Cider right now. But Me too, ultimately, but I don't
1: think you can throw it. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, no. no. I, I was just going to say that I, I completely agree with that. But yeah, other than that like I think I personally would still try Stall Insider because I think if you look at their analytics like they have very favorable um goals for uh, expected goals for because Stall is an absolute menace on the wall. Uh, is pretty reliable in the sense that like, he doesn't really get like he, stuff doesn't really get behind him. Stall everything gets behind him, so that's the issue. So my issue is with
1: that is Stahl is best vault this year, especially when he's playing active. And Cider also likes to play really active. And that pairing to me does not work at all. And Stahl has been not fabulous against top lines. I, I guess you know what I, I guess you know what you should go back to is stall and lindstrom. Try to create some stability for Lindy, and mm-hmm. that gives Stall some capability to jump into plays, and then the pairing that you mentioned, I wouldn't hate to see Wallman in heronic and okay. then and then either DK or Osterley with Cider. Yeah, either you know seventh
0: defenseman or top pairing. Yeah, I got it. Yep,
1: exactly. So I mean, that's what he's been doing all year. So
0: it may, yeah, it's the weirdest. I like it's it's so funny to watch, and it's just like that's what I know. I'm like, all right, you're not a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But to get back to this game, um a positive I do have out of this is um the power play. I thought the power play looked real good. I
1: think it's yeah. a Rangers
0: team whose penalty kill is very dangerous, like shorthanded. With Zabana Zabana is like like he's usually one of the uh, near the top for shorthanded goals. Um uh, That's I to my knowledge. It, yes, he is. I, I
1: thought it okay. looked good. Uh, I don't know that it looked is because you think it looked i know they scored two goals on it but both okay. goals were kind of the one but from verona should never win it that was terrible kind of no funky.
0: i i just thought like the movement was good and i know we talked about with um you mentioned um to me over the phone how you want verona on a different unit but i do think there's a at the point of the i we can get into it more, but I did like Verana on the first unit. Okay.
1: I'll uh, I'll hop into why I don't think that works right now.
0: Okay. Um, I I see the
1: Red Wings as a team that have these these a couple weapons on a power play. And I don't think you should put all those weapons on one power play like a Washington or Vancouver does, because Washington and Vancouver have five weapons on the ice at all times on the power play. And that makes it really dangerous where a team can get really frustrated and not know what to do at some points. And that makes a power play very dangerous. You have five legitimate weapons that when you move the puck, there is a high chance they're going to shoot the puck and it could go in. Where I see if the Red Wings stack that unit, I see three weapons when they're shooting because Bertuzzi and Larkin aren't going to get the touches that they so would want. I also don't think Verona is going to get the touches if he's playing on that top unit that they would want because this power play strictly and over the course of the year has ran through Cider and Raymond. And I think you should stick to that. You should focus this first unit on running through Cider and Raymond. And then you should base a second unit running through probably Larkin and Verona and with Wallman quarterbacking that. And that's yeah. just, I, I see that as they, it's a very different system that they should run compared to a Washington or Vancouver, are my examples, because I think both those teams have. I, I love Vancouver's like five players that they use on a power play. I don't think it's always been the best, but their setup and finding their bumper man, kind of similar to the way Washington used to find OSHI, it's not been as much, but uh, I, I really like those units. And I think the Red Wings should do the complete opposite.
0: And they did go to that the second, kind of, sort of the second game or the yeah. the Ottawa games, I should yeah. say.
1: And to to be fair, I thought that second unit was way better that game. Oh,
0: definitely was, um, definitely. Uh, but yeah, on this game, uh, there was just it's just a couple of bad breakdowns again. The Horonic on the Panarin one, him and Stahl both got c- caught behind the net. That overtime goal too. Um, where Suter and Bertuzzi just completely lost um, Andrew Kopp, the Red Wing killer. Yeah. Compl- they both they both just didn't communicate in Hronix two-on-one, and he didn't defend well either of the two-on-one, but, I mean, I can't really blame him. Uh yeah. I mean, Andrew Kopp's going to be a future Red Wing, so I don't really – he can he can get his cookies while he can. He's just getting used to the Joe Lu- – or the uh, – Joe Lewis, the uh, Little Caesars Arena ice. Yeah. It's all good. Um. But, yeah, and the other power play goal, too, Bertuzzi uh, slap shot from the slot. Not something you see every day.
1: Yeah, that was, to me, still another fluky goal. I mean, his rotation with cider was perfect, and cider made a really nice move on the blue line, and that was just a sniz. But when do you see Bertuzzi up that high on the power play ever? No, you, you don't. don't. And why Why would he shoot that? <laughs> I don't – I mean, I, it was a snipe, but that's just like – not a shot you would typically see Bertuzzi take on a power play. So to me, both goals on the power play that were scored were flukes.
0: Yeah, oh, man, I had I had a conversation with Fugue a few months back. He's like, "Why don't the Red Wings use Tyler Bertuzzi in, in the bumper?" I'm like, "Have you seen his shot? <laughs> He's not particularly good." That's not Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi's strength is finding the back of the net, which makes him a good shooter. But his like his um technical shooting skill is not very good. No, that's why, uh, like guys,
1: to me that are—I know I always bring them up—but Bo Horvat and TJ Oshie are two of my favorite bumper guys in the league because I think Horvat, yeah. they are so technically sound when shooting from that position. And I think Larkin is a guy that could develop that technical shooting from there. Well, if you know look into
0: the fu- if you look in the future too, like the Red Wings have so many half-all guys. Where Larkin's going to have to develop into a, be a bumper guy because I mean you have Berggren who's going to be he's nearing ready, uh, and he's he's perimeter. Yeah, he is. Um, Verona, obviously Raymond. Um, yeah, and then maybe Zadina. I mean, we'll see. Time I also think
1: Zadina is a he's a weird one, but he could develop into a
0: bumper too. Uh, yeah, they tried him. We can we can talk about the Ottawa game with that, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, five four loss to the Rangers when there was a lead. I mean, it was tough because the tying goal went off Cider's skate in the penalty on the penalty kill from Kreider, who was just piss hot. I do I think he's what 47 goals in the year or 46? Yeah, 46, I think. Unbelievable. I think I think 23 of them are power play goals or something like that. Yeah. Which exactly. I mean, I'm not I'm not ta- I'm not taking anything away from him. He's he looks good on the ice too. Like I'm not saying uh, none of those are earned. He's he looks legit. He's a good player. Um, I also thought Lafreniere looked really good for the Rangers as well, this
1: game. He's every game I've watched recently of the Rangers, uh, which I try to limit watching the Rangers. I think they're boring. But Laugh looked good. Yeah. He's looked very
0: good. He's been one of their best players when I've watched. Yeah, for sure. And, again, I felt, ba- I felt bad for this game because, like, again, I felt like he played better than what his save percentage was because I think it was like an 8- 880 or something like that. And it's. I feel like that's kind of been more recently what he's kind of gotten into. Is just like he deserved better. Um, also with Zadina, he played eight minutes and forty three seconds this game. Yeah, seems smart. Yeah, not uh, not ideal for sure. Which we can have a, a conversation about towards the end. Um, yeah, going to the Ottawa. I'm just gonna kind of. I'm gonna link the two games together because I think they're they're basically the same. I don't really see much difference in the games. Yeah, they're both terrible. So we can kind of like get our thoughts because there wasn't really that much difference. I mean, Bertuzzi didn't play the second game because it's obviously in Canada. But as soon as they announced Shogard was starting, uh, that's a guaranteed win. I think the Red Wings are now, uh, our, our rookie goalies making their debuts are 6-0 against the Red Wings. Dating back, uh, I don't remember the exact year. Maybe I have it. Hold on. I do not have it never mind actually never mind since 2000 2001 which is quite silly um but yeah five two were both the finals um two hat tricks given up as well two first time hat tricks given up in back-to-back games which that makes now that is the sixth time i think in of the season which is the most uh in a season i think for for a team i i, I feel like that's a stat Maybe I'm making that up, but um, yeah, man. Of course, it's Matthew Joseph, too, the first one. He was playing first line, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I honestly didn't notice him except when he scored.
0: Yeah, like he was all over the place. I – yeah. You know who I really like this game for Ottawa? Was that? Br- Brandstrom. I, I liked his game a lot. It I was mean – Yeah, I mean, I again, yeah – Ottawa's, like, I really like Josh Norris a lot, too, and I think it hurts me a little bit every time from the 2017 draft, and I'm like, we could have had our two, set, two second line center right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of
0: good players. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're not like, they're – we made we made the joke in the beginning about, like, them saying the rebuild's over, but they legit have a bunch of really good pieces. Yeah,
1: but like it's with, just not enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, 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 and they also i they have the issue of bringing in those veteran pieces to fill around, yeah, because I like they have like the the top end guys of Batherson, Kachuk, Norris, Shabbat's, like one of my favorite defensemen to watch. He's so good. Sanderson's coming in next year, and he's or he's coming in this year. He's gonna finish out the season. Um, Shane Pinto's good. Um, Formington, I like. Not, oh, I didn't like him in the second game, but I mean, we can get to that. Uh, but no, they have a ton of pieces. It's just it's just like they bring in the wrong veteran guys, like tra- giving up tra- giving up a third for Travis Hamonic is honestly laughable.
1: Also, picking Tyler Boucher is pretty laughable too. With uh, what was that tenth overall?
0: Yep, tenth overall.
1: There's so many other players you could have literally took. I mean, he Cole was... Cylinder's playing in the NHL right now. I I don't know, like, yeah, yeah, that's just. Im- I shouldn't say anything too bad, but that's it's sad.
0: I liked. Was it the Jay Fresh tweet clapping back in an Ottawa Senators fan when they brought up that Tyler Boucher had a three point night in like the OHL and was like, "Yeah, I'd hope a nineteen year old would do that in the OHL." Yeah, and to add <laughs> on to that, it was literally a, an eleven to two game, I think, or a nine to two game. It's hilarious, but yeah, like when I watched him at Boston, he was the thirteenth forward. Like when he was playing at BU yeah. earlier this year, and that's not the case ever
1: for a player that's a top ten pick. Usually, no,
0: I I had to look up the lineup sheet to figure out who that was. I had no idea. I'd, I I I totally forgot he's a player.
1: Yeah, yeah I was uh, shocked when they took him. Even like uh, like I I mean, I I said that Cole Sillinger would be a guy that I kind of went to hated the Red Wings to take at the time when they were picking six if they were going to reach. That's a guy that I would have wanted them to reach. And I know you had said Coronado. And if I look back on that, like Coronado would be a guy that I would have wouldn't have hated to see them reach out. You Why would you not like take like a guy like Coronado or Silinger at that pick? I don't they were know. like, oh, oh, we got we got enough of uh, you know, them uh them skill guys. So you know, we're gonna take a gritty guy. And, um, those attitude are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes.
0: I don't know, I don't know what like impersonation you're trying to do there. Like it sounds like old that's school like, hockey man. Yeah, that's like, my uh Pierre Dorian. Pure Dorian I don't know what, what sounds I, like. I don't know what he talks like, but I'm not kind of sounds like picture. he's he kind of sounds like he's nervous all the time and he like looks around and make sure he said the right thing. So that that's perfect. I that sounded like I was nervous. <laughs> and Pierre Maguire would have been good too. Yeah. You could have you could have listed off what, what his hometown was, what's his favorite uh deli meat. I mean you know, all the i like when i
1: when i met pierre mcguire all you need to know is he put his arm around me first when we took a picture together so
0: well, i mean we met pierre mcguire together yeah that was honestly though i like i try not to rip on pierre mcguire too much because like he was very nice with his time weird with the arm placement but like also he did not have to like be nice in a picture he was awesome he was
1: like so excited that we were taking a picture with him.
0: yeah like i don't know like, yeah he's like my, I, my
1: favorite part about that was though that he decided to put his arm around me first before yes. i put my arm around him which that was a little odd but you, you know
0: he was excited for a pic you know I, yeah it's hard to, i still have that picture on my phone um, yeah me
1: too it's like one of my favorite pictures ever yes me, me and pierre cute. just kicking back
0: and then us and uh um the carolina hurricanes mascot stormy yeah. legendary yeah good stuff anyway back to yeah Oh my god, we went off track big time. <laughs> That's okay. We love the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, again, this game, the first game, anyway. Um, uh, I think you kind of be defined by uh, the fire blast. chance at the end of the game were audible, and there wasn't that many people left in the arena with two minutes left. Like everyone was leaving to beat traffic. But man, uh, it's, it's not looking good. I was pissed that I messed up my parlay.
1: Yeah, because
0: I hammered Buffalo to win in the RJ night, and oh, did they? And I was like, great, the Red Wings are going to win. They've been on a little bit of skid. Nope, nope. Um, yeah, uh, really, I thought Lucas Raymond had a really good game. I mean, scored twice. Uh, the first goal with Jake Walm, him and Jake Walman passing back and forth, and Walman absolutely ripping it and Shogard couldn't hold it, and then Uh, Raymond Raymond beat Tim Stutzla to the net.
1: I have a couple different opinions on that that are a little more Debbie Downer than you were about this. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so I didn't think Raymond was that great. I thought both his goals, he was just right position, right time, which is good, right? You need to be in the right position to score goals. Great. Uh, But, I mean, I didn't think he was – I didn't really notice him all that much. Besides, he had two goals. Uh, that Wallman shot was a dumb shot if it did not go through Anton Forsberg. That is a terrible shot on a two-on-one. First of all, it was right in his glove, and it was pretty far out. But it was such a hard shot that it literally went through his glove. That's why it's funny. That It is really funny. I laughed super hard when I saw it happen. Like, But you need to walk that in a little bit more and try to make something happen. Nope. I'm just going to take a a ripper from right here. He's just going to go through his
0: glove. And then I was going to hustle by Raymond. Why does he kind of give me Merrick Sidlicky vibes? No.
1: (laughs) He gives me me Nick Letty vibes, except I think he's better in this system than Nick Letty was. Like Nick Letty in St. Louis right now, he is so fun to watch. And I think he was terrible in Detroit,
0: except that Minnesota game. He was electrifying. He was the best Red Wing in that game. Yes, by far. It was unbelievable that game. He played like 25 minutes that game. Like the coaching staff did one right thing. We're like, yeah, we're not taking Nick Letty off the ice. Yeah, they should have played him all 60 minutes. I do think, like, under, yeah, I think you're right. Like, Nick Letty under a different coaching staff, I think would have been a perfect defenseman for um, Mo, Mo Sider. Yes. And I he's think like so too. a solid enough, he's a perfect four. Like, he's a number four on a good team. Like, when the Blues are fully healthy, he's going to be a number four guy. He'll be just be fine. He'll be fine. Like everyone I, thought, he but it's, from, from the season he had, the Red Wings did very well on the return.
1: I think it's awesome, like what he's doing right now, because he had a he had to really step up. Because right when he his first game crew got hurt, right, and so he's getting thrown mm-hmm. on the he's on the first unit now. I did see that he's, he's playing like big minutes right now for St. Louis. I don't know, like it's good for him. Did you, speaking of St. Louis, do you see the? him awkwardly standing in that uh Jake Neighbors video where he was like he didn't know what to do he's like who is this guy that is like everyone's like laughing at because he was Jake Neighbors was saying that Robert Thomas like noticed him or whatever and then Nick Clay was right behind Robert Thomas and Robert Thomas, Thomas was dying laughing and it was the Led, funniest video he was ever. just right there like looking around he like didn't know what to do it was hilarious
0: I love the idea of, like, having your prospect that, like, started the season, like, in their, the junior town when, like, obviously Edmonton works where they play in the same arena.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: Jake neighbors is just, like, wearing sunglasses and a, a jersey and nobody recognizes him. And it's well, so funny.
1: It's just cool because Joe's, like, the guys probably love him. And, yeah. I mean, he already played his nine games, didn't he? Correct. Yeah, he looked good.
0: I, I heard it was a tough decision. Like, I, they didn't really want
1: to get rid of him. But couldn't they bring him up but and then have to burn his ELC if they brought
0: him after the junior season's over? How would that work? Because I've not, um, in the regular season, I think that would burn his ELC, but if they, um, if it's playoffs, I think that doesn't. I'm not 100% sure on that because he's
1: a guy that I would be interested to see. I mean, not that they're bottom six is weak but i mean i think you could upgrade on like torpachenko and stuff i mean he's not yeah he's terrible whatever and then nathan walker is i mean he had a hat trick against the red wings so I shouldn't
0: really say anything so he's sick yeah so he's sick yeah no like um get back to this game we were talking about the power play on the first game and it, they were this the two split units with uh, Wallman, Wallman finally getting on a power play unit, and I think you uh, you texted me like how fast the one shot was, and it was only like ninety three, but it seemed a lot. It harder looked like it was like one hundred twenty <laughs>
1: plus. They should put in the hardest shot competition. I
0: think him and Martin Ferk should just go all out. Yeah, they should just
1: play them two on the the power play. We should trade yes, for them.
0: We should. Um. But no, I really, yeah, that, I agree. The second unit looked so much better than the first. The first unit, I, I don't know what was going on with it. Like, it, they were just sloppy, especially the second game. They looked really bad. It
1: looked dead. They looked like they have no motivation to even be out there. When the power yeah. play hits. It looks like, okay, chalk it up. Power play's wraps.
0: I know Dad's mentioned something about, like, Larkin at this point. He looks defeated and stuff, and I agree with that. But I'm wondering how much is weighted by the news that came out. About about Larkin and why, what what why he missed his personal um, we took the personal time, which um obviously thought I'm not going to say it, but thoughts are with both of them as like she uh, his girlfriend announced it, but um, yeah, I, I, I it's hard for me to point any fingers, you know what I mean? Like at this point of the season, where the defense has gone so sour and Larkin, I like I and I the second Ottawa game, I should say Larkin was a menace on the penalty kill. And I should give him a ton of credit for that. Um, he still cares. Well, obviously tough. he still cares. It's yeah. just
1: right now I think he needs a change of line mates, and a there needs to be a spark, right? I think his offense has died off drastically. Yep. I think that whole line has died off. That line needs to be shaken up. I also think would that, you move
0: would you move Raymond then off of it? Yes. Ooh, okay. I do. I had that thought as well because there was a shift where Verana was with Valeno and Raymond, and I was like, "Huh." But I, if we're gonna spark it, I would throw Verana with Larkin. Okay, want to hear my thought? Okay, let's go for it. Let's have fun. Uh, well, so we had kind
1: of alluded to the misusage of. You think Verana's been misused a, a little bit? Right? I, mean, I mean, he's I,
0: averaging he's averaging less than 15 minutes a, a night throughout the season, so yes.
1: I don't think he's a guy that should be playing more than 16 to 17 a night.
0: I disagree, but go on.
1: Okay, I think he can be a defensive liability. Okay, I, I, sh- I should rephrase that. Uh, maybe like 17 to 18 is more. Okay. six. Anywhere from 16 to 18, he shouldn't be playing 13 to 15 a night. I think he is very dangerous 5-on-5 five five offensively which is something you need to take all advantage in. But I don't think he's a guy that I feel like you also need to minimize his D zone touches, right? Almost like the Ducks have sheltered Zegris in the D zone. You need to shelter Bron in the D zone. Yeah. Um, I I think he should be playing right now. I want to see Larkin, Verona, and Zadina on a line. Yes. And uh, Zadina just needs to be playing more. He hasn't had opportunities. Really frustrated right now. I think you should play him up with Larkin and Verona. Whether or not that's the first line, I don't really care. I think that those three are three guys that I will I would love to see together right now. And at the state you're in, why not do that? I, I don't understand why we're keeping the same lines every game. Also, for a second line. I think I know you're going with this. There is no way in hell Villano should be seeing anywhere from nine to 13 minutes
0: a night. He has been arguably the best forward on the Red Wings in this recent stretch. Dude, he had the most, he had the most energy uh, besides like Larkin on the penalty kill. I feel like he had brought the most energy, but other than that, I thought Valena was our most energetic. I've said
1: this for the last month. He's been a rock star and he's been getting better and better every week. It -hmm. should be him. And then Raymond, it won't be much of a stray. I mean, it's going to be different for him because he's played with Larkin all season. He hasn't played. He's, Hasn't played really without Larkin at all in the NHL. But he's Mm -hmm. played with Bertuzzi almost all season two. And I think you should keep him and Bertuzzi together because they have chemistry. So I think it should be Valeno, Bertuzzi, and Raymond. They still have that engine. And right now,
0: Valeno's engine has been crazy. Arguably the best Red Wing recently. Yeah. No, I – that tops – the top – anyway, those six players are what I want the top six to be. Me too. Regardless. I would maybe flip Zadina Raymond because I did like the shift I saw with – there was a couple shifts over the past two games where Verona would end up on a change as the left winger because they obviously with Ernie on the top line, they didn't actually play Ernie as the top line left wing. He averaged like almost 14 minutes, I think, where Larkin and Raymond were on 20. So there was some rotating and obviously with the power play, there was some time there. Um, And I really liked what I saw with Verona. Obviously, I want Verona and Larkin. That's the duo I want. And when I was when I was alluding to the misusage of Jacob of Rana, i'm not I'm not like I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to you know get him on the penalty kill by any means. I am <laughs> um, no, I just want again, what you said with zegris is kind of accurate. like I want any offensive zone start. I don't really like I don't understand when we have like an there's an icing on the other team and we, we just throw um Adam Ernie out there. That should yeah. not be the case. I have a face-off. Jacob Rana needs to be out there, like, and I agree. He needs to be utilized to the max five on five. That's he's so dangerous on the rush. That's yeah. where he is. He gets those quick breaks. He's gonna score. And um, you made me
1: you made me think a little bit too. Like when you just said you should flip Raymond and Zadina. I'm still sticking with what I said. Uh, those are the lines I first want to see. Okay, but there was a, a couple shifts that Bertuzzi and Zadina played together. And they sparked a couple, like, off the rush. I mean, I don't know if you remember that one, but Bertuzzi so. made a really nice feed to Zadina.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Zadina was robbed. It was it against was um, was against Seattle. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, that would make I'm sense. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, those two. And then, like, you mentioning Zadina and the Raymond flip. I, I honestly, I do want to see Raymond and Volano mm-hmm. together. Yeah, I, no. uh, and keep and I want to see Bertuzzi and Valeno a little bit more together too, but the way Zadina and Valeno fed off of each other last game mm-hmm. was really awesome to watch because I think Valeno was bringing out some of the best in Zadina that I just want to see every single game from.
0: No, I, I I definitely yeah. Anyway, those six are who should be in the top six. I think they can be mixed around a little bit, like we said. Um, but, yeah, I even like like Michael Rasmussen in the past couple of games. I think he's been one of the better forwards as well. Well, he's a guy that I think should be playing wing right
1: now. He's been right. really good on the wing. And uh, I I have a third line that I think should stay a third line right now or should be the third line, and that's Suter, Centering, Rasmussen, and Arosi. Yeah. No matter who comes back in the lineup, I think Hiroshi should be playing on the third line. Yeah. He creates mm-hmm. and he's not, he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And he works his ass off. I, I don't know why you would have Adam Ernie on a third line over him ever. Ever. I don't do either. And then what I want is when everyone's back healthy, it should be Steven centering Giovanni and Sunquist. Giovanni yeah. and Sunquist showed that like they feed off each other and are very physical. And they work and then Stevens. I, I can't wait for him to be back. I honestly think we forgot how valuable he was and how fun he is to watch.
0: I'm curious if he comes back this week because he's been skating for so long. I mean, I don't know how they, they haven't given any update of like how long he's away, but it'd be really it'd be really funny because considering like we're going to the game in the last I saw him a week before he got hurt, like, he was out. So
1: That'd it'd be, be funny.
0: It'd be funny if his comeback was would be the next time I'd see him, you know what I mean? Live that would be interesting. Um but, yeah, I also thought it was weird about this game. It was kind of like – nope. like, Sam Gagne, I think, was just a scratch. He was hurt. Oh, he's was hurt? He, wasn't he? I don't know. It was like really – like, nobody really said anything was going on. All of a sudden, Osharee's playing fourth line. Oh, okay. I didn't even – he had that weird
1: moment the game before, did he not? Where it oh, looked I like did, he got hurt. Maybe. I don't want to, like, assume something, but I, I felt like he, he went – he had like a weird situation where it looked like he went to the bench really weirdly. And then when I saw him not practicing, wasn't he not practicing? And no, he eating?
0: practiced He practiced the day before. Cause the fourth line was um, Hirose Bertuzzi at center and Gagne because they were just, oh, okay. Bertuzzi was just spot filling.
1: Well, I thought that's why um, Chris Golo got called up is cause Gagne
0: was hurt. No, it was because who they, I think they just did it. Just cause like, I don't remember. I thought it was weird. They want to play oh. Chris Golo
1: if Gagne wasn't hurt. Gagne hasn't been bad, and Blatchew loves Gagne.
0: I know, yeah. And again, that's why I thought it was weird too, because I'm like Gagne. It's like he's fine. Again, he's a fourth line player, and but he's better than Jordan Osterley on the fourth
1: line. Yeah, I, I honestly think that he he must have had something going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, must have been. Um, but yeah. Um, Josh Norris playing his first game back in Detroit scores too, and I'm like, "That's pretty cool." I'm not gonna lie, pointing to his dad, really cool. Uh, Tim Stutzla and Mort Sider getting dinner together the night before, also great, good Betsy stuff. I did really like Tim Stutzla past couple games. He's yeah, so I mean, he's really good. Yeah, it's it's quite silly, honestly. Um, but yeah, I. Do agree with like with the lines we're kind of throwing out, and I think it'd just be so much better. Um, yeah, the game in Ottawa though got a little chippy. I I think um, Gus Lindstrom was kind of the the main guy getting into it a couple times with Tyler Ennis especially, and he ended Tyler Ennis' season. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, like it wasn't dirty or anything. It was a it, it was a board that went uncalled, and it looked like Ennis knocked out his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, he went in complete shoulder. Uh, it, it was it
1: could have been called a boarding because he was a little bit far off the boards. Almost perfect distance for that to be called. The other one was really goofy. Yeah, the, the, the knee. It looked like Lindstrom buried him. I mean, he was kind of just playing rough and tough. And then was it Wallman hit someone into. Uh,
0: oh, you're talking about. Oh, that was the Formington one. Well, who'd Wallman hit into Formanton? Uh, ooh, it was Connor Brown. Yeah, he
1: kind of hit Connor Brown, and Connor Brown's like knee went into Formanton's head and it snapped back. That looks mm-hmm. scary, but Formanton ended up coming back.
0: Yeah, and he, and he was, uh, you know, the NHL saying they're gonna, you know, end cross checking the season, and then Formanton cross checks Lucas Raymond and then I literally swings thought, at him.
1: I thought that was a flop at first, and I then I watched it back and I was like, oh my gosh, he actually got like. A full blown cross check in the back. That was bad.
0: oh yeah, that was bad. And Larkin, I man Larkin, he's the best leader. Like he's right in right in Formanton's face. I love that. Yeah. Um man, I, I what did cut me though, or actually I should mention Thomas Grice was playing this game, and oh man, did he let in a rough one to start the game too? That was that was bad. Um to be fair.
1: Uh, the rest of the
0: game he kind of looked fine. <laughs>
1: To be fair, uh our boy Thomas Grice, usually when he lets he lets in, he's good for one uh really bad one every game. Mm -hmm. And usually when he does let in that bad one, he's gonna have a good game. Like after like he he'll have like a streak of like probably 12 saves, 10 saves in a row, and then he'll let in a greaser and then he'll have a good good rest of the game. Is that like not (laughs) accurate?
0: Yeah, like he he almost needs that bad one. He's like, "All right, I'm in, I'm in," or <laughs> else or else it's like three bad ones in the first period, and then you're like, "This is a rough one." It's kind of like how I felt like when i play hockey. Like I needed like one, like to get me into a game like on a Sunday morning, you know, like an eight AM game. I need to get laid out. Like I need to, like I will put myself in a dangerous position just to get my clock cleaned. To oh, that's, that get, sounds really smart. Get the boots moving a little bit. You know what I mean. <laughs> No, uh, I yeah, I did think Thomas Grice played a little bit better this game. Uh, so I mean, good for him. You know, he's gonna he's gonna play this week. There's a back to back. Good for that. But uh, the post game comments from Larkin, yeesh, not Yeah, good. those those were rough. Those cut me a little bit as a fan. No one having fun. I mean, I, I can imagine nobody's having fun. But still, kind of hard to hear it. But I did like how he mentioned like people should be playing for something because there's plenty of jobs up for up for grabs and people should be trying for spots. And I do think like, I don't know, maybe that's just me thinking, overthinking too much, but like maybe like without Fabry recently, I feel like Fabry's such a guy in the locker room where he gets the guys up a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe I'm um, overthinking it. No, I was actually thinking this before
1: we got on um, about those comments. I, I think like now is a time where you need change in the locker room. If, if everything's not going well, and stuff is on the rocks, right? If there wasn't a coach named Jeff Blashill, now would be a time to call up a guy with a happy heartbeat, like a and a really skilled young player like John, you know, Tim Bergerin. But because of Jeff Blashill, this is a guy that I want nowhere near the Red Wings this this year. If that makes any sense to you, I, I think having a happy young heartbeat, a guy that's going to lift spirits from everything I've seen, and he's. Uh, I know people have called him unprofessional because he's so goofy. Sometimes he likes to have fun. And I think, yeah. Really? Are you you gonna... people
0: call him unprofessional.
1: Well, it's uh, because um, it was from that ice hockey gifts video on Bergen. He, Oh yeah. yeah. He said uh, that he's a little goofy and likes to have a lot of fun basically. And I think that's a good thing to have in a locker room during a time like this. But um, under Jeff Flashell, I don't want him near the surface right now.
0: Yeah, I was like, I think that I think he should be called up at this point, honestly. With Flashell? Uh, I think it's going to hurt him more than help him. Maybe, but if it's only a five game stint, okay. So here's my reasoning. Mostly, have you looked at the Grand Rapids Griffins record of late? Yeah, they've been bad.
1: I watched. That's their, what I'm saying. I watched. I know game the argument yesterday
0: the argument from Eisman gave was like, well, they're playing important games down the stretch. They're set they're last in their division and losing record. So I understand like if they were like whatever, fourth or fifth and they're, you know, a couple points out. I don't I and I know like at points this year the Griffins have kind of been they're they don't have a lot of depth this year. They have some good players, but they don't have a lot of depth. So I don't know. I for me, I think Bergrin like what you said, a lot of energy for a fun young guy in the room could be something, and a debut. I feel like players can rally around a a guy's NHL debut. Yep, you know what I mean. So, I think also with that, I mean, I know Jeff Blaschel loves like he. I I don't know how much Jonathan Jonathan Berger would play, but I feel like again, I it's tough for a GM and like to guess how a GM and a coach communicate, but. If I'm general manager, which doesn't mean anything because Steve Asman doesn't think like you and I, I feel like I'd be sitting down Jeff. He's like, listen, like this dude's playing top six minutes. Deal with it. And he's, yeah,
1: you have to th- a guy like him. Yeah. you have to throw in at least middle six to top six minutes. Uh, it's not a guy you can just shelter. I don't know. I, oh, I honestly wouldn't hate to see him up. I guess. I just don't know that I want him up with Blashel. I,
0: Yeah. I'm writing about something like I'm writing about like what we talked about with uh, Zadina and Valeno not getting oppor- enough opportunity, I should say. And then, and I'm like the same could be said about Berggren and McIsaac as well, because when it comes to this point of the season, we have not we're like we're not playing for really like we're playing for the future at this point. You need to see what you have on a player so it can influence Steve Eisman's decisions in the summer. Let's say Jonathan Berggren looks comfortable in top six position. That's then. You're like, okay, cool. Like, we can try that in in preseason, and that could be an option, right? And then you can focus your efforts elsewhere. Or Jared McIsaac's like, oh, cool. He looks like a – bot. he could be a bottom – maybe a bottom pair guy next year. Then you're looking elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like, Steve Eisman benefits Eisman and the management team so they can focus efforts. Or if none of them, you learn that – no, neither of them are ready. Cool. You know, it's not a big deal. Yes and no. I guess the more
1: I've watched them in their own ways, I don't know if they are – if they should be rushed this year, I guess. I don't know that they are NHL-ready. That's what I'm I, saying. I'm,
0: I'm just making – like, I don't think they are either. I think Berggren more so than McIsaac, but – The more I've watched McIsaac, I think he should spend
1: the rest of the year in the AHL and not even push him because that, that can just be a confidence killer, right? You go up and you're not completely ready. Yeah, I think Bergeron if great. you put if you put him with good players he will I think he will perform it just will take a little bit of adjusting. I mean, I I thought before he got hurt in uh the uh tournament there the prospect tournament mm-hmm. he was arguably the best player in on the Red Wings. Not arguably he was. Yeah. He was dominant. Yeah, for the, the and it, it from, was yeah. taking Raymond a little bit more time to adjust than it was Berggren. Yeah, because Berggren's so good at playing perimeter, and with mm-hmm. good players, it's easier to play perimeter. And he's playing Flano and Raymond.
0: Yep. No, I agree. I I agree with that. Um, I would be pushing more so for Berggren rather than McIsaac. but again, I think it can he still can be messaged, mentioned because McIsaac, I know Ben Simons pointed out like how impressive he's been this year. Yeah, and I just I think it's worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I like McIsaac. I just he's a guy that I don't want to see his confidence just get burnt from going up too early, where I think Bergren right. could handle it a little bit better. I could be completely wrong, though. No?
0: Right, and I I guess I was kind of like I I brought it up to you with Chriscolo being the one that was playing versus Bergren. A situation like that. I mean, I thought Chris Gola played fine. I'm not taking anything. Like I thought he was actually kind of good. Him and Rossi had a couple of decent chances. Yeah, but again, whatever. Uh, not a huge deal. But I would like to see. Who knows? Maybe Berggren's there. You know, maybe he's playing this week. Who knows? Yeah. Um. But yeah. Let's. We can start to wrap up. We can get a couple of fun things here. But um, the kind of su- not some su- yeah, kind of surprising news. I would say at the beginning of the week. Um. Again, this is something I've always I always want the Red Wings to look into because it's just so it's so easy and smart um, is the college free agent pool, and Ben Myers is reported that the fi- like the two front runners to land him is Minnesota and Detroit. I saw uh, Philly in the mix. mix. Yeah, they're in the they're in the mix, which makes a ton of sense because they have a bunch of roster spots right now. Um, uh, they're in the mix, but it freed Elliot Friedman reported it and he's more convinced that it's between Minnesota and Detroit. Um, but yeah, Ben Myers is now a, he's one of the top three finalists for the Hobie Baker is a junior, which is very impressive. He's 23, 5'11, uh, 200 pounds. So he's not a big guy Plays center and wing. But, um, what I saw from Corey proman's article ranking the top available college free agents, he was ranked second available, but, um, he projects it more as a bottom six winger. Um, but what I saw what I've seen out of him, he plays for Minnesota, by the way. I didn't I forgot to mention he's captain of Minnesota. Uh, 41 points in I think 35 games this year. And he's been really good of late. he also played for the Olympic team, the US Olympic team. He had four points, four games, uh, 15 points in his last seven games since coming back from the Olympics. Which a lot of those have been playoff games. Who is the who did Proman have as number one? I don't remember. He was second though. They were in the same. They were in the same t- uh You know, you know he does tiers. Yeah. He the tier was like NHL player, and they were both in the same tier. But he he was ranked second. I don't I'm remember who, think were, who that would be. I don't know. I, it wasn't Dryden McKay. It wasn't the goalie. I, mean, I don't know who it was then. Dryden McKay to the Red Wings. I mean, I'd love that too. Um, but yeah, I what I've seen out of um Ben Myers, he's very skilled. Like he's try he tries like the image between, between the legs moved a little bit. Underrated shot, too. He kind of plays the bumper in Minnesota's power play, and he scored a couple goals like that. He has a pretty nice release. Um, but again, his size is a little concerning, but he skates pretty well and he competes. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the news about Ben Myers?
1: I mean, I wouldn't get too gung ho about it too early, uh, but I do think that is a guy the Red Wings should. Uh, There's no reason not to go after, like, high-touted college free agents because these are roster spots and they're young players that have been untouched. And the Red Wings are a team right now that I think would be really appealing to a young college free agent, right? I mean, it's said that they're competing with Minnesota. Why would you want to go to Minnesota over Detroit right now if you're a young college forward? They have way more roster Roster openings right now. I mean, I guess if you look in the future for Minnesota, they're kind of in a cap pinch and you might be able to squeeze in there next year. And I guess that's where you're playing right now. So I, it can be appealing. But to me, I would want to go to a team that I know I'd be able to play for right away and that you're going to get that opportunity. And I think that's a guy that the Red Wings should want to suit in their lineup right away and see what they have there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think this would be the first time the Reddings would get a college free agent since um, Hiroshi and Kufner the same year, um, which is saying something. Uh, but no, I think, again, with Minnesota, it's kind of the argument of, does the hometown guy want to go home and play for it Because he's from 20 minutes outside of Twin Cities, yeah. um, or does he want the roster opportunity? I mean, obviously with Detroit, he's going to get NHL money right away. Where Minnesota, I feel like he'd end up in Iowa first, and then he's probably not going to make Minnesota until next year, like you said, with the cap issues. Yeah, he'd so, probably make it next
1: year. Um, he, he, I,
0: he, I think he would make it next year, which would be the selling point for Bill Guerin. Is be like, listen, like you're going to be a black ace to the playoffs, but you get to be on the team next year. But Detroit he, can sell him off middle six opportunity higher in the lineup with power play time.
1: The other thing with him is – or with college free agents itself – I find it hard to get super gung ho about them because of, I mean, you have the really highly touted ones that come into the league like Donato and uh, VC. Yeah, VC, (laughs) VC was, uh, yeah, but uh, those are two guys that were super highly touted. I mean, they had such high hopes coming to the NHL for those guys. But no, I think think he is a guy that could be of nhl use yeah again i think
0: yeah he's 23 and a good thing about college prospects is 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 we're not drafting them and waiting five years yeah we're getting them at their when they're fully like not fully developed but they're you know they're nhl ready um yeah with with myers um i think it is important for you brought up a good point about fans having expectations of what they are as a player because like one like cool he and he's one of the best college players this year but that doesn't mean he's going to be a top six guy in the nhl um i do think his game fits well like the way he competes and stuff and i think he's going to be an nhl guy and again like when you brought up, brought up donato i think he's been a solid he's been a solid player for seattle this year yeah as a third line as a third liner and again six shootout you, guy six shootout guy if you get a, if you get a free third liner that's not bad. That's good work. Well, a third letter of Seattle is a healthy scratch in Tampa Bay. So, okay, we're talking about Detroit right now, too. So, same, same thing as Seattle. Yeah, well, yeah, right now,
1: yeah.
0: At the very least, it's a stopgap for a couple of years, right? Let's say if Detroit's still like, I don't know, depending on how the offseason goes, whatever. But I mean, it's still an opportunity. And also, we don't have a lot of guys that can play center that are NHL ready. You know what I mean? Behind, um like obviously Rasmus can play center but we want him to be wing Joe Valeno can play center and he should be a center Q Suter, I don't know what he's doing um he's but I think like he's there Grand Rapids though you look at that I mean you have Chase Pearson uh, okay um and then after that like what else is in Grand Rapids center wise yeah there's nothing right now no so again it's just organizational depth which I think is a huge positive and I'm excited like um It'll be interesting to see because uh, frozen, uh, frozen five or frozen four, excuse me. Um, Thursday they play um, Minnesota State. Um, That's your wagon so,
1: of a game.
0: Yeah, I mean two really good games: uh, Denver versus Michigan, too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that one's gonna be fun. Um, so be yeah, obviously don't, we won't find out until like the end of this week, uh, until he makes a decision, but. I do think Detroit would be a good spot for any player like that. And also, also when Steve Eisman's calling you or your your um, family advisor at this point, it means something. So that is, I do like. I mean, you know, also when I mean, Bill Garen's calling you too. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Again, there's that too. There's that too. Um, yeah, I think we can finish off on uh, some Swedish playoffs. Because, you know, that's what the Red Wing fans have looked forward to at this point. Uh, For Lunda, Elmer Soderblom had 12 shots through two games and has yeah. a goal and two assists. I mean,
1: I watched overtime in game two. And in my opinion, it wasn't even close on anyone was close to him on player-wise. He was obviously the MVP of that game in my eyes uh he was so dominant in that that overtime like yeah. s- stupidly i know a lot of my criticism not even criticism my a lot of of my what he needs to get better at is cons- consistency and so far during the playoffs he has been so consistent on being the best player on the ice basically he's been a freak well,
0: he is the perfect linemate mate in ryan lash Yeah, the size also the size differences it does not evade me how funny that is. Five five seven player to six eight player. Yeah. So funny. Um, but no, I yeah, the highlights I've seen obviously. And um his head coach, uh is it Ronberg? Yeah, he's his name. Um, yeah, calling Elmer Elmer world class skill. That means something. Uh but no the highlights, he's just a menace. I sent it to dad, the highlights. Um yeah, also Edvinson playing 23 plus minutes, both games. Uh he looked good in the highlights as well. I and mean, he's I'm so excited for both of them. And there was an article that came out that was translated on Twitter. Um, and it said basically the expectation is Soda Bloom signing with the Red Wings as soon as the season's over. And yeah, says, same with Edvinson. Uh, and the worst part about that
1: is, which makes me like super worried. Like, I guess part of me wouldn't hate to see them lose just to have the possibility of them coming over, <laughs> but it's terrible. Like I, I really want them to
0: go far. And I think that for a team could make a run. Yeah. The only issue with your, I mean, obviously dream idea, like if they were able to come over, but the visa like, I don't know how long it takes to get visas and stuff. There's so many, there's so much to go goes along with that, where they'd only might be able to get like two or three games. Yeah, so I wouldn't really. i yeah. I I hope for. I again, I agree with you. I hope they just go as far as they can with Frölunda. I'm not too worried about okay. them getting over to Detroit. Um. Also, William Wallinger, his highlights. He looked good.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that I'm pretty interested on too. And I've liked the way he's played. I think that series is 1-1, one, one, right? Or no, it's 2-1, Robo, I think. Yeah. But he's he's looked pretty solid. Uh, I mean, they're playing
0: – they
1: finished first, so they're playing Oscar Sham, I think is how you pronounce yeah. it. And they're kind of weaker. But Ender's right. playing pretty solid minutes, which is really nice to see.
0: Yeah, so he played uh, last – today's game, he played, what, 20 minutes? Probably somewhere around there. Which is- I didn't get to watch it. I, I didn't either. I, I just saw that, again, Ice Hockey Gifts on Twitter is just uh, the biggest lifesaver when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I was like 20 minutes and almost 21 minutes, I think it was. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Kind um, of wrap also, up? Also, Albert Johansson.
1: Oh, yeah, he looks good too. Well, that series right now, them being up literally 2-0, I think, against Sketa and Sketa was heavy favorites. Yeah. Against them. And Albert he's so creative and uh he may makes a lot of stuff happen on the rush too because he likes to jump in. Kinda scary, not gonna lie, but he he's a
0: lot of fun. Our left side's like, our left side in Grand Rapids next year is just like the it's all prospects.
1: Well I'm curious to see who they what they do because you literally have so many guys that you could bring over. And then you already have Sabrango and McIsaac down there.
0: Biro, Johansson. Wallinder. I I think Wallinger's staying.
1: Well, I think so too, but it, there's still that chance. Right. Because you could argue that Wallinger's further along all-around game than Johansson is already. Could be argued, yeah. I, I almost wouldn't argue it. I think Johansson is more – raw and he's so talented offensively but he makes a lot of mistakes
0: yeah yep yeah we'll be we'll be interesting for that um yeah I guess uh I get to see you in a couple days sadly sadly unfortunately yeah we'll be in attendance for the Red Wings Columbus game Uh, I'm pretty excited to be back in Detroit I mean that's been a few years since uh I've been to watch a game Grant went last year and you went for the infamous uh, Jonathan Bernier game. Yeah. Good Good game. It was, it was a fun game. Dennis Chalowski, C bar on 14 shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yeah. We'll be back to recap, but hopefully Andy will be back. He was a bit under the weather today. We can recap the Columbus game and our experience in Detroit, but, uh, Yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening.